Welcome to another episode of Concise Kansaritwa, a podcast that covers politics, society and culture with a twisted skin of satire. The biggest noise in the last few days has been the one made by Mahua Moitra, so much that she managed to take the spotlight away from the insane utterances of Rahul Gandhi. But we will come to that later. Moitra, if you are not aware, belongs to TMC, a political party that is ruled by an absolutist, which means that Moitra has to talk about the constitution and the freedom of speech every once in a while and more so than others. Moitra, if you are not aware, also speaks English with the glibness that would put Shashi Tharoor to shame, although not with the clipped accent that he has. After all, one cannot get everything good. Moitra, if you are not aware, also likes using Gaumutra as a scorn against the Hindu right wing, a label for which I have enormous issues with but which represents broadly those who are proud Hindus. But that is another podcast. The day before she was to screech, I mean squeak, I mean speak in the parliament, she tweeted that she is giving a heads up to the BJP to get the heckler team ready and then ended it with drink some Gaumutra shots too. She tagged the wrong BJP handle and that handle has long disappeared from Twitter because people like her kept tagging it wrongly. Earlier, when the Delhi police had knocked on the doors of Twitter's office, Moitra had gone berserk by tweeting, Welcome to our Susu Potty Republic. Drink Gaumutra, smear cow dung and flush the rule of law down the toilet. After that, she again tagged the same wrong BJP handle. Even then, I did not understand why an MP from a purportedly Indian political party was riled up when an American social media company was brazenly flouting the laws of the land. On February 14, 2020, Hindus for Human Rights had co-sponsored a program called The Present Situation in India, with Mahua Moitra as one of the speakers. The other speakers were Siddharth Varadrajan, purportedly a journalist, and Ajit Shahi, who is part of the IAMC, Indian American Muslim Council, which was recently in the news because the former Vice President of India, Hamid Ansari, felt himself at home to talk against his own nation. Ajit Shahi, by the way, was a journalist with Ahelka. In a brief to international Christian concerns, he had talked about the worrying influence of the Hindu right-wing in the US. Ajit Shahi is also a part of the editorial collective of Quill Foundation, which includes Harsh Mandar, Dharampuri and Sabanakwi, among others. In 2021, Hindus for Human Rights had awarded Ajit Shahi of IAMC the Swami Agnivesh Memorial Award, which is only the tip of the network iceberg. In fact, if you have some time to kill, instead of wasting it on social media, you could find these links. And who knows, it could be a crowdsourced mapping activity that would actually be useful to society. You could. If you like, start with my conversation on the USCIRF with Aravindan Neelakantanji on the Atharva Forum YouTube page. Hindus for Human Rights is a non-profit organization based in the US. The name makes one thing that the organization is about fighting for the human rights of Hindus, but on closer scrutiny, one finds out that it is more about Hindus in name only fighting for the human rights of others. A glance at their website is enough to convince you of their one-dimensional intent. And that is only the homepage I am talking about. If you go to the webpage of their advisory board, the first name that would pop up is Reverend Abhi Janamanchi, 
a minister in a church in Maryland. So that would give you some idea about how Hindu the organization itself is. And if that were not enough, you can scroll down and find T.M. Krishna at the end. More like secularists for human rights. So, coming back to Moitra, one wonders what she was doing in an event which was conducted by such well-spread but dubious organizations and talking about the present state of the nation. Years ago, a WikiLeaks document mentioned the suggestion from American diplomats to the US government about cultivating close ties with Mamata Banerjee. The reason, at that time, and we are talking about 2009, when she had just won the state elections, was her stance against the communists which the Americans thought would make her friendlier to the US. Sometimes it is just as simple for the American diplomats. Against communism, so good. So there is that too and who knows whether any of this is linked to the current events. My bet is that it is and as I said, it is just a question of finding the links. Anyway, Moitra went berserk in her speech in Lok Sabha so much that the chair, Ramadevi, interrupted her, in Hindi no less, to speak with love, not anger, which irked Moitra even more because she now had the anger of someone whose eloquent flow of English words has been punctuated by uncouth Hindi. Once outside, she went even more Moitra and criticized the chair with all the English she knew. And then, she went full Moitra on Twitter by saying how her time is valuable because otherwise, I presume, she would spend that valuable time with a couple more Kaumutra scones. The next day, the Speaker of Lok Sabha, Om Birla, urged members to maintain the dignity of the chair. One could imagine how bad the Moitra episode was that even opposition members such as Adhir Ranjan Chaudhary and Farooq Abdullah had to emphasize the need to assert this point. Last I checked her timeline on Twitter, Moitra is still at it with more tweets, criticisms and some videos too. The distinction between the position and the person in that position has been lost in political discourse for some time now. And along with it, the dignity too. Not of the position itself, but of politicians like Moitra. No wonder then that they make no distinction between, say, the Prime Minister of India and India herself, and in their attempt to tarnish the former, they taint the latter too. The identification with the nation, the feeling of being an Indian, then revolves around a superficial fealty to the constitution, and a selective adoration of selective concepts such as equality, secularism, and freedom of speech that the constitution espouses. In other words, pick and choose what suits them from the constitution and even then do a half-baked job. According to them, India is what she is today or rather what she was until May 16, 2014 because of the constitution. If at all India before the independence has to be admired, it is by projecting these constitutional ideas to the past, such as how the Mughal tyrant, great the Akbar, was oh so secular a trope exacerbated by kitschy Bollywood movies no less with hardly any historical basis. When it comes to secularism, mythical and literary concubines become adoring and historical wives, but otherwise, everything historical from rivers to empires become mythical. The other side of the sordid saga is the kind of language that the Moitras of the world get away with, perhaps because it is ensconced in elite English, and perhaps because it is coming from someone who has the right connects globally. An elected member of the parliament, no less, calling the nation a Susupoti Republic should have been a question mark on her ability to even think sanely. 
as an elected representative one can criticize the government but what makes one equate the government with the nation and call it abominable names is the nation just a reflection of the current government she once said and i quote right wing assholes seem to be the same everywhere which meant that instead of taking her to task she has been admired for her fiery oratory and heralded as the next best thing to happen to indian politics since that flash in the pan kanaiya kumar in her now famous speech which went from fiery to teary in less than 13 minutes moitra said so you fear a future india where a jain boy can hide from home and enjoy a kathi kebab on a street cart in ahmedabad the comment was targeted against the ban on selling meat on the streets in some gujarat municipalities but why she had to resort to a jain boy and not say a muslim girl is anyone's guess the jain community was rightly outraged and demanded an apology the political currency of bjp ministers and the ministry of minority affairs shortened as momina realized that jains also come under its purview what was the reason for her to invoke a jain boy besides the usual targeting of gujarat and modi well the line before the kebab street cart was this you fear a future india which is comfortable in its skin and conflicting realities i must say it takes not just courage but also brazenness for someone representing the despotic politics of west bengal to talk about future india and conflicting realities and that too by dragging in jains and gujarat as i said selective adoration of selective concepts which in this case is syncretism another dunderheaded social imposition of the left liberal clique i may have misunderstood her intent and she may be genuinely trying to bring two minority communities jains and muslims together using whatever kebab the way whatever biryani binds the populace in tamil nadu on a serious note which is rare i call this the political equivalent of psychological projection the projection of one's nefarious political methods onto the opponent a point i had first made in my podcast the sinister dynast psychological projection is when you mask your own trait by projecting it onto others a typical corporate scenario where an unskilled manager may call his or her team member as unskilled the political equivalent can be called as political projection or better constitutional projection to avoid any confusion with poll predictions Moitra projects the fear of a future India with conflicting realities because well you should just see what her party is up to in her state Rahul Gandhi projects the fear of fomenting fault lines and communal polarization and institutional control because well you should just see what his party is up to in many states the recent speech by him which can be called his coming of age speech for this year or this month is simply gandhi projecting his party's wild tactics onto the current government or more specifically onto bjp and rss constitutional projection takes the shape of selectively projecting constitutional ideas onto the political opponent which is basically just the bjp rss combination because constitutional projection is what the left does the part about propagation of religion in article 25 of the constitution for example is always invoked when the church is involved in religious conversion but not when the converted or brought back to their ancestral fold the part about freedom of speech and expression 
in Article 19, for example, is always invoked when a stand-up comedian mocks the Hindu religion, but never when a Kishan Bharwad is murdered for a social media post. You would never hear them invoking Articles 29 and 30, and you can read them up to know why. The assertion by Rahul Gandhi that India is not a kingdom but a union of states taken straight from the Dravidian cookbook is also the same selective projection because while the constitution does say so, it also emphasizes the sovereignty of the nation above all, not of individual states. Amit Malviya instead puts up a shocker of a tweet where he finds the union of states argument by Rahul Gandhi shocking. Such is the level of both sides and it appears that none of them actually have read the constitution, let alone understand it. But the more sinister point is that the constitution acts as a convenient mask for their vileness. Every argument, therefore, comes through the lens of the constitution. A document that is just above 70 years old and has been amended on average every 8 months. For this reason, I hardly support the clamour, feeble for now, about considering the constitution as a modern dharma shastra that should form the basis of a future India which, as Moitra says, is comfortable in its skin and conflicting realities. I can understand the reasoning that the constitution provides the basis for a post-independence India and since it's not going to go away despite the bluster on social media, why not link it with Hindu dharma? How will you do that? when the basis of the constitution is a deliberate dissociation from the Hindu dharma. Have you even read the constitution? With that, we come to a close of this episode and let me know if you have read the constitution. You can reach out to me through my Twitter handle, Kansaratwa, and also my Telegram channel, Kansaratwa, and also by commenting on my blogs on WordPress, Kansaratwa. May Ma Mahavidya bless you all. 